Anytime somebody now comes to see me and they say they don't know what they want, I call yeah. bluff. Yeah. I think 99% of people know what they want, but they yeah. have a fear yeah. that says I can't do it. They're already lit up by things, but start paying attention to what are those themes that light you up so then you can create a lifestyle and a career that's aligned with what brings you aliveness. The world becomes a place of opportunities. Your job, if you know what your gift is, your skill set is, is to say yes or no. You become a walking filter. Mm -hmm. Because when you operate in your zone of genius and you've seen people who are really gifted, mm -hmm. people notice you. Yeah. And when people notice you, they offer you opportunities. They try to poach you. Welcome. I'm Alyssa Nobriga, your host of the Healing and Human Potential podcast a place for you to discover the multidimensionality of what it means to be human. Over the past 20 years, I've trained thousands of coaches in my methodology, leveraging my experience as a former psychotherapist, and I'm here to share with you all the wisdom and insights that I've learned along the way. Each week, I'll share with you life-changing tools to support you in awakening and manifesting your dream life from the inside out. We'll be exploring the intersection between ancient wisdom and modern everyday life, really diving deep into the art of human potential through the lens of psychology, spirituality, and coaching. Let's let the magic unfold. Oh my God, Ashley. <laughs> We have such a fun story that I want to bring to people. Yeah. Do you want to start us off? I mean, let's talk about me in 2012, 2011, fresh out of the Pentagon. <laughs> I was working in national security. I learned Arabic. I learned French. I learned Dari, which is spoken in Afghanistan. And I needed a therapist so bad. I was in a relationship with a really nice guy that, mm -hmm. you know, we Beautiful all know man. and love. Beautiful mm -hmm. man not my man, mm -hmm. and needed a therapist to process my life, just like anyone who's – how old was I in 2011? I'm 36 now. I'm really bad at math. Yeah. I don't know. Early 20s. Mm -hmm. It's been a long minute. And I don't know. I feel like so many people are in that in their 20s. Like, who am I? How do I figure it out? Too many, so many people are marinating in their human experience, which there's no judgment. It just doesn't usually move things forward as yeah. much as it – and so think I found you on Yelp and I've always been a very experimental person. And I was just thinking the other day, cause you and I, when we went on our spa day, yeah. um, and for those of you who don't know my dynamic with Alyssa, pretty much this is we were at a spa on a Friday night and I was realizing that the woman at the front desk of Burke Williams was somebody <laughs> I wanted you to hire for your, for your business. You are a master connector. Yeah. We're going to talk about that. Yeah. yeah. But you know what it is? I was just thinking about it on the way here. And I was thinking it's that I have a very light relationship with trying things on. Yeah. And so you always comment to me like, oh, you always have the best people for things. And I really do. I have like a, a marble table guy in LA, a nail woman that shows up, you know, like all the little resources all the big resources. I just, I have them. I realize it's because I'm very light about them. And so with you, you were one of those resources and look at me right here with you mm -hmm. 12 years later. Mm -hmm. So then this is how life is. And I feel like I've just chosen a mystical life yeah. where a lot of magical things are always happening. And so many people comment to me all the time. They're like, you have more manifesting magic, effortless things coming to you. It's because I just go into my day yeah. pretty light. Yeah. And so I found you really light on Yelp and so many people would scrutinize and there's a responsibility in that, right? Like, is this the right therapist? Let me read every review. And for me, all it was, was like, does her energy look good? Does she have good reviews? Let's fucking go. Yeah. Am I allowed to say that? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so I remember you called me 
And I was like haggling with you on your price. Mm-hmm. Yes, I remember yeah. that. Thank you for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. and I was like, because I was made, I don't even know, you know, what my reality was. I think I was like a salaried corporate person. Mm-hmm. And I was and, pretty much interning for free at that yeah, time. Yeah, you were, yeah, you yeah. hadn't really, you were starting to establish yourself yeah. as a therapist. I think you were thinking about becoming a coach. Yes. And you, you changed things for me. Like I remember going home and, you know, seeing you. And I had a couple of really big moments with you that I write about in my book that are really interesting that I want to put a pin in, but you change things for me. People would say like, you seem so much different and it's really good. And we don't know what it is. And I would be like, it's, oh, do Alyssa, you know, like <laughs> the best perfume in town, like, go to therapy with her. And I remember this one day, and I don't know if you'll remember this, I was walking to your office on like 26 in Santa Monica. And I don't know if you recall, there was like kind of a skinny sidewalk. Yes. And traffic kind of moved fast past it. Mm -hmm. And there was this woman in front of me and she was kind of like bopping along and wasn't paying attention to the traffic. And I just remember thinking she could really get hit by a car. She's walking kind of close to the edge of the curb. And she ended up almost tripping and falling. And because I was thinking about it for her, I grabbed her backpack on my way to my session with you, pulled her on the side of the sidewalk, spared her from getting hit by a car. I don't think she would have survived it. The cars Mm -hmm. were whizzing by at like Mm -hmm. 50 miles an hour Mm -hmm. and there was no sidewalk, you know? And she looked at me all startled, like, oh my gosh, thank you. And I remember thinking to myself, like I was processing a lot around worthiness with you because that's what you're the best at, Mm -hmm. you know, I think. Mm -hmm. And, you know, who am I without loving my career? Who am I without knowing what's next? Who am I with all this education and all this debt and all of this stuff that I'm not proud of. And I was trying to, you know, get out of the wrong relationship. And am I worthy of the right one? Because now I'm bringing debt and I don't know who I want to be in my career. And there's so much I don't know. And I don't feel like I deserve things when I don't know, because I'm bringing heaviness to some other partner that I wanted to be light. Yeah. Right. And so you were helping me process so much stuff. And I remember something changed for me in that moment where I came in your office, I'm like, the weirdest thing happened. And I told you what happened with this girl. I remember she looked at me and said, oh my gosh, thank you. And I just looked at her and said, be careful. Mm. And I came to you and you asked me a question and you said, what if the whole reason of your life was just to come down here and pull that woman out of traffic so that she could keep living her life? Would you be worthy? Would you be valuable? Mm. And like, you were just playing in my stories about what it means to be someone And I remember I said, yeah, that would feel like I was here for a worthy cause if I just saved one person. Yeah. And I remember thinking like worth is so nebulous. It's so malleable. It's so story-based. And we just don't know how we're impacting the world based on our existence here. We don't know how our spot on the sidewalk that day and the butterfly effect of all things is affecting everybody else's spot. Yeah. And so the only answer I've come to after being with you in that space was like, just trusting your life. And I take a lot of pride in having my feet on the ground and my head in the sky. I'm like mystical, but practical, Yeah, you, you know, <laughs> like you hear me say like YOLO, but be practical. Yeah. Like, and so it's like, I don't get lost in the sauce of like the spirituality of it. Mm-hmm. And I have no judgment on people who do, because I think there's a lot of magic in that. Um, and you really helped me see that. And so 
I remember one day as my therapist, you were like, well, I'm closing out my therapy practice. And I remember <laughs> my energy was like holding onto your ankles, like no fucking way. You're not going to not be my therapist. Like yeah. I was working in national security still. Yep. I left, I was in Washington, DC at DOD, Department of Defense, before I worked with you. Moved home to LA. You were my therapist. Was in private intelligence when you were working with me. Mm-hmm. I was a really good job seeker. I remember you being like, maybe you need to teach people that. Yeah. And me thinking like, that was when coaching wasn't cool. No, it wasn't. It and wasn't you, a trend yet. You were thinking, am I going to be a therapist or a coach? I'm like, be you, I'm like, be a coach. I saw yeah. so much in you. And clearly you've stepped into being an incredible author, speaker, and coach. Thank you. Yeah. It's interesting because I've seen your face in work. So I, I think I'm an artist that hasn't become an artist yet in the way I can do art. Mm-hmm. Like I started painting lately. I don't know if I even told you about no. my painting. It's a trip. I need to show you a picture <laughs> of it. But I see your your face in a piece of art for me because there's so many people who've come to me and been like, you are the epicenter of so much that's happened for me. Yeah. And when I think about my life, I'm like, I want to be an expander. And I feel like you have been that person for me and you do that for a lot of people, but I know I've also been that person for yes, you in other you ways. Yep. It's really cool yeah. to have relationships like that. It's, and it's, it's really special. It is. And so just to give people a backstory. Yeah. So then you come to see me 2012. We work together in couples therapy. Yeah. All of this is in your book. It's full permission to share because yeah. usually in therapy. Yeah, yeah. And, and then we start working together one-to-one and I tell you, I'm moving into coaching yeah. and you're like blindsided. Wait a minute. Well, I gave you, I gave you space in a few you weeks. You gave me space. No, not like you were yeah. irresponsible, but for me, just like I had this vision of you, like holding onto your ankles for the rest of my life. Yeah. You we're going to be in each other's lives. You yeah. knew. You'd come into my sessions and you'd be like, <laughs> Am I your favorite? I'm your favorite client, right? I'm like, oh my God, I love you so much. And it's a full circle moment for yeah. me having you here in yeah. person because we used to see each other in person yeah. in this kind of formal way. Yeah, yeah. And then I move into coaching and you were the first person that I pitched to as a coaching client. Yeah. And I was so nervous yeah. and I fumbled and you, you were- fucking crushed it. You did a great job. <laughs> Thank you. And yeah, you I were like, it. yes, a hundred percent. Yeah. And so you were my first coaching client and I started, you started having a lot of success with online marketing and online business. And I'm like, that put something in my awareness. Then I started moving into online business yeah. as well. I remember you were like, why would you do that? Yeah. Cause it was so not a thing then. It was not a thing. And you were like, I'm high end and, you know, this is inspirational for you and you can deeply help people. And I remember yeah. being like, no, I'm Javiana's flip-flops and everybody's going to have a pair. <laughs> <laughs> Gucci I or Walmart. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You were more like Gucci and Chanel, like yeah. greatness does not go on sale. Yeah. Like that yeah. was you. Yeah. But it's interesting because I really wanted to be someone in my twenties. I was still processing so much of that. Now my thirties, I'm like, I don't give a shit. I just want to be me. And if it's useful, that's great. Yeah you know, and that's where I've been creating from. And it's a different level of maturity. God, it's so good. And so, so we've been this me. expand, this expander for each other. Cause I know I started having success with online and yeah. moving my business that way. And telling you, I wanted to connect with other female entrepreneurs that were mission driven, heart centered, because I felt very alone in the online space. And you invited me to a mastermind dinner last minute. I jumped on it. That and was life-changing. That opened so much of my world. We ended up, I think I, I had, we'd worked together for quite a few years. I'd given you everything I had. And I you knew- You did the ethical therapist thing where you didn't be my friend for three years. That's right. right. I knew your You're next so level of expansion yeah. was going to be doing some work with, within another organization. So I sent you to USM and this master's program in spiritual psychology. You start there. We took some space. We, we were doing our own thing for yeah. a little bit. And then we reconnected because I was working on faculty there. Yeah. You were a student. It had been three years. 
And then we became friends, yeah. I, you know, just in California, ethically, you're supposed yeah. to take three years before having a dual you relationship. played it by the book. Played it by the book. Yeah. And then we just became instant And best I want to say to everybody friends. listening, because I know some people listening are like investing in your services or whatever. I feel like I've also been the difficult client for you. Mm-hmm. And yes. you have really handled that with a lot of grace and class and elegance. And you have taught me how to show up with difficult clients. And I hate to, I know you're not judgmental and I'm more free with my judgments to be like, you're <laughs> difficult. <laughs> You'll be like, they're not difficult. It's just something's coming up for them. Like you it's have a, a little mirror. more. Everyone's a mirror. a mirror. You have a more spiritual, like um, heartfelt lens. I'm a little more abrasive in my language of like, this is a difficult client. And my style as a coach, which I don't identify as a coach as much anymore because yeah. I've been running a speech writing house. Yeah. But yeah, I, I see you as someone who's a real example. You are an entrepreneur at heart. It's so funny. I learned so much about who I am through how you see me. Yeah. And I think that's one of the gifts of having a sacred relationship this yeah. way, because even if you told me a story that was judgmental of yourself or lacking in some way, I can see you, which helps you stay awake to what's true. Do you know what's kind of dark to say about that though? Okay. It, I didn't always believe it coming from you. Yeah. Because you see the you see magic in everyone that comes to you. And it's not just like in a diluted way. You see it authentically. You see where people are great. I have that gift too, but you believe in people when sometimes they're not giving you evidence. Mm-hmm. Like they're not showing up, they're not producing the results, but you can see beyond that. Yeah. Sometimes I'll be like, all right, you're not choosing results. Like I'm not, I'm not about that life. I'm not yeah. gonna be the one that pushes you. You're the one that will say, like, let's look at what's going on in your mind and you see beyond them. I've had some real success lately on the goal line. Yeah. And some friends of mine have said, well, this is how I see you. And I've heard your voice in theirs. I'm like, oh, Alyssa's been telling me this yeah. all along. So, Well, sometimes it's hard to see the picture when we're in the frame, right? Yeah. That quote yeah. where it's like, and having friends, having therapists, coaches, other people to mirror us when we forget is one of the most sacred gifts because yeah. it does wake it up inside of ourselves. And if we have limitations or judgments to say, I don't believe you, yeah. then we can question those because yeah. maybe we think there's an ulterior motive. Though they're my therapist, they're supposed to say that or yeah. something yeah. so that we can actually receive the gifts of that relationship. Well, speaking of gifts, you know, one gift you have that I like to educate anyone on from my book, because I feel like my podcast, which is called U-Turn Podcast, Y-O-U, you mentioned my book, U-Turn, yep. like shameless promotion here. (laughs) Y-O-U. Yes. (laughs) It's all about figuring out your best career path, all that kind of stuff. One thing I don't talk about in the book, and I don't talk about enough in my podcast, is core energy levels. Mm. Because my book is 12 chapters and it's all core stuff. And you really influenced me in that book, I feel. Because you influenced my cells in some way that they changed. And then I put my own body of work on top of it, but you're in a lot of what I do in this very interesting way that is probably the case for a lot of people, but not the case for me with a lot of people. Yeah. I think also we were working together and helping you do some really deep work yeah. within yourself that laid the foundation for a lot of the expression yeah. in your creativity. Well, yeah. And it's interesting because when I think about core energy levels being a topic I don't talk about, so I talk about core skill set. And the message of my book is don't do what you love, do what you are. Who are you? What does that look like? What does that mean? Because I think your career is really difficult when you're trying to be someone else. Yeah. And so what I, I hear is like being more authentic. Be more you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think authentic is a confusing word sometimes mm-hmm. because people don't know what's authentic when it comes to their gifts. Like a lot of people yes. don't know who they are much past their favorite song or music or snack. Like we all know I love rap music and cupcakes. There was an era that I didn't know much <laughs> more about me, you know? Yeah. And so it's like digging deeper into like, where are you providing results that you're my, you may not be noticing? 
And I think you were really big for that with me. Now we have a friend group where that, that's all everyone can see. We're mm-hmm. so lucky and we've created that mm-hmm. really intentionally. But one topic of core energy levels comes up with me for you in particular, because you have very unique energy levels. So I talk about core skill set. What is the, the, the zone of genius you have? I talk about core values. You have a lot of work around core mm-hmm. values. It's very unique, which mm-hmm. is what I love. And then there's core energy that I don't think a lot of people are talking about. And it means a couple of things. Okay. Number one, are you an introvert or an extrovert? Obviously, a lot of people are ambiverts. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I appear extroverted and I am, but you've seen me really quiet mm-hmm. in groups where I am not an extrovert. Mm-hmm. I'm more of an ambivert. I'm very socially extroverted around my people, very energized. If it's someone I'm not comfortable with, somebody I don't know, I'm not in the mood, da da da. I'm not a moody person, yeah. but I get quiet, yeah. introverted. You get energy from your work. Um, and in coaching, you need to be able to be on in a way where you can be present and hold a real container for someone. Yeah. You have a unique ability to do that. You're one of the only people I know in our friend group that can private coach until forever. I love it. You truly do. And I, I really, your core energy levels are so unique in that. I got two tick bites with Lyme disease growing up, like one in the 2010 that I didn't know about until later, one in 2019. And I get, I do get brain fog and I do like this week, I think it really got me. I think yeah. I'm a little bit inflamed. I'm feeling foggy. I'm feeling forgetful. I can't coach people at the capacity that you can. When I'm on, I'm gifted, yeah. but I'm not always able to be on. Whereas for you, it's not even being on. It's just you being you. So I think a lot of people need to pay attention to, are you introverted? Are you extroverted? How does that look with your skill set? I'm a natural born words person. That's my skill set. If you look at my bank account, if you look at my impact, it all goes back to words. Like I talk to clients no more than three times for 90 minutes, mm-hmm. and then it's all on me to write some magic mm-hmm. with my speech writers. And so it's like, I'm really using who I am and my energy. Yeah. And you helped me discover that I'm more of this coach archetype because yeah, you you're more of an entrepreneur archetype and a creative archetype. So you get energy by creating, yeah. by pulling out the depth and the core stories of people. So I really hear you offering people permission just to do what makes them come alive. Yeah. And I know some people, even in your TED talk, that your TEDx talk that went viral, what was it called? Um, How to figure out what people really want. Yeah. You talk about what holds people back, that yeah. there's what they want and then what they think they should do for survival, right? Yeah. What advice would you share for people that feel like it's binary, either or? Either, well, first of all, shout out to you for that talk, because I learned about joy journals through you. And that's something that I talk about at the end of the TED talk. I remember running that by you. Yeah. And I've heard from a lot of people who watch that talk, because it's it's like the top 50 or 100 on the internet. It just blew up. It's it so blew good. up, but it's like the, some of the people I hear from the joy journal really made an impact um, that I talk about. Yeah. But as it relates to do you have to be you or do you have to just like work to get by Survive. or take care? Mm-hmm. I think that I used to think it was really cheesy when people would say, follow your heart. You, yeah. Follow your heart. I was like, ugh, gag yeah. me. Like yeah. the, the, we still live in a world that can be really challenging. Yeah. And sometimes there's not space for your heart. Yeah. I came from that. I worked in the department of defense. Yeah. Like I was watching people on computer screens blow their heads off. So, and I, there's no nice way to say it. That's what I was watching. So for me, there's not always space for me to follow my heart. You know, it, it was... I don't know. It's like when people take things too seriously, I'm like, yeah, I used to like really be in a world where people would die if you weren't taking things seriously. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now I'm like, life is an experiment. Yeah. There's a cost of admission to figuring yourself out. 
And you cannot be who you are in your career, in your relationship, in your friendships, unless you've done some work to yeah. figure out who you is, you know? Yep. And who is you? <laughs> like, um, and so I would say that requires being experimental. That requires failure. That requires course correction. It requires levity in that experience. Because if, you know, in the same way I found you on Yelp and I kind of ricocheted my way onto you being my therapist, believe me, you are not the first or last person that I've kind of like yes, tiptoed my you. way into. You, you just captivate people as That's you go so through funny. life. You literally collect people and experiences so beautifully. And I th- and we'll talk about this in a moment, but I do think networking is a big part of career growth. And yeah. it's one of your gifts because you come from such a clean agenda. You're literally just wanting to have a good time yeah. and connect good people with other good people. I love it. And these magical experiences happen because of that. But I also hear you're saying the experimentation. It doesn't need to be hard. You're just testing things out and you're willing to fail and try things on. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like not looking at what you're doing. It's looking at the overarching um, person that you're being. So people think about networking. I don't look at the one conversation I'm having today over coffee. I look at, I am a networker. And so the payoff in my life of that is so much bigger than this one coffee today that didn't go well. Mm-hmm. Um, I sound so cynical in this conversation, but I feel like you're so empowering that I'm almost like wanting to, I, I believe in what you're doing so much that I'm sitting here on this podcast being like, all right, let me be the other side of the energy in yeah, some way. to balance the energy. Yeah, balance your mm-hmm. magic out mm-hmm. with like the real this, yeah. gritty, sad thing yes. that people feel of like, can I be me? And the answer is not all the time. The answer is in order to find you, you need to be not you. Mm-hmm, totally. And then in the not you, you find you. That's what Burning Man with you was for me. We both went to Burning Man in like 2018 or 19. Yeah. I, don't know, I think it was 18 actually. Yeah. I remember being like, the reason I love this is because it's all feeling like what I'm not. And it's making me realize what I am. I'm an early bedtime girl. Uh-huh. Nobody's going to bed. And this is how I learned how much I value early bedtime. Mm-hmm. Like I am, I don't know, like sexually a little more, like there's a lot of people who are in their sexuality and sensuality. They're open, right? I'm a little more reserved than I realize. Like, and these are all things you learn through context. That's right. That contrast too, right? Yeah. So having, what I hear you saying is trying things out and just giving yourself permission to get the feedback. Just do you, whatever that is. Yeah. And you doing you helps me see there's differences. Like you being more of an entrepreneur archetype and us going to a spa and you're like, she's a great hire. You should hire her. I don't think that way. And so we all have gifts, codes, and magic for each other. And it's nice that you just unapologetically own it. Yeah. It's interesting that you say that too, because it's like everywhere I go, I see opportunity, but not being an opportunistic taking energy from more of this magic where I'm like, I think possibility is everywhere all day long. Yeah. And conversations have been the biggest tool for me in moving my life forward. Like if you feel like you're in a plateau, if you feel like your life isn't moving, Um, and you want to make a career change or you want to figure yourself out, there's look at your core energy levels because me knowing I have Lyme, it's not about me identifying with it. It's not about me being limited by it, but there is a self-honesty of like, okay, in the past I've gotten brain fog to an extent where I cannot have a career that requires me to be on at the capacity that you can for Mm -hmm. private coaching. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that won't change and I can be available for the change. I can have an open mindset, but it does mean let me create something in alignment with how my body functions best. 
Do you want new tools and powerful group exercises to help you deeply and profoundly change your life? Maybe you feel overwhelmed with the idea of starting or scaling your business and wish you had the strategy, the community, and the support to really help you shortcut the learning curve. If so, I want to make sure that you know that our most popular event of the year is back by demand and it's absolutely free. So this is my five-day confidence and clients bootcamp, and it's coming up for new and seasoned coaches, therapists, and healers, but it's also for anybody that's wanting to up-level themselves from the inside out and really start the year off strong. So each day I'm gonna lead you through a live transformational group process. I'm gonna share with you behind the scenes coaching demos, pulling people up to coach. And I'll give you daily prizes and tools that you can use on yourself and with your clients right away. So you're gonna discover the real reason people don't create change so that you can more easily step into your goals. I'll show you how you can create the income that you desire and practical strategies for where to create clients today for free, as well as heart-centered sales. You can fall in love with sales with this approach. And I'm gonna teach you my manifestation packs as well so that you have everything that you need to embody a deeper sense of confidence. And then lastly, I will share with you, not only tell you, but also show you the power of embodiment work so that you can specifically use it to transform your relationship with money and attract real abundance so that you're really set up to scale with ease in all the ways that you're called to. I cannot wait to share this with you. Again, it's absolutely free. It's transformational and it's going to be so good. And research shows that we grow so much faster in community. So send this to a friend that you want to do this with and help hold yourself accountable. Again, it's free. So join us before it's too late. All you have to do is go to alissanobriga.com forward slash bootcamp and reserve your space now. I think you do that really well. You are clear on your non-negotiables yeah. and you get creative to make a life that aligns with what works for you. You're like, yeah, I'm not available for that. Or no, I'm I'm interested in it easy. I'm going to do virtual podcasts. Yeah. And at the same time, I remember when we were first starting to coach together, I was so clear that you were going to be successful with whatever you did because you went a hundred percent all in. Yeah. Like I think there was a moment where you were willing to sell your car yeah. to work with me. Yeah. And I was like, that woman is up to something big. And I know when people are a hundred percent all in and you are in on what your truth is and you're creative enough to make it happen. And so I think that's beautiful. And and you mentioned the joy journal. So yeah. just kind of give a, a experiment about that. So when I was starting my career, I was like, I don't know what I, you know, anytime somebody now comes to see me and they say they don't know what they want, I call yeah. bluff. Yeah. I think 99% of people know what they want, but they yeah. have a fear yeah. that says I can't do it. Yeah. So when I was, before I moved into my first career doing wellness retreats, I was in Bali. I was loving life. I thought I was killing it because anyways, I'll, I'll share it in a moment, but I was just starting to look at what are the things that I love most. And so every night I would write three to five things that brought me the most joy. It was being with people, transformational work, travel, just consciousness work in general. And so I started seeing themes yeah. and then I created wellness retreats to Bali. And so that was really helpful because I think a lot of people think they don't know what they want. They're already lit up by things, but start paying attention to what are those themes that light you up so then you can create a lifestyle and a career that's aligned with what brings you aliveness. It's a slippery slope that it's like, that's kind of where our bodies of work touch each other in a way, because I so believe in what you're saying. And 
Sometimes that leads people down a path of just following what they're interested in. And sometimes being a very happy consumer of self-development doesn't necessarily mean you're a producer of self-development. And so I think, you know, I used to love reading about politics, but like I learned quickly at the, in working (laughs) in counterterrorism for Obama, that I do not want to be a politician. Love, I loved what he was doing and I loved politics aside, seeing some politicians and, and their shine. But I learned quickly, like, this is not my skill set. This is not who I can be. This is violating half of my core values. And it doesn't mean that they have bad core values. That's right. They're just not aligned. These are just mine. So I think a lot of people mistake their interests with their path. Well, let's talk about values because I think this is important. Yeah. Because then then it's about, you know, people talk about follow your passion or find your purpose. Yeah. And to me, purpose is identifying what your core values are. Yeah. And then expressing them in all areas of your life. So for me, my core values are purpose, love, connection, truth, and service. Yeah. And if I'm expressing those in all areas of my life, how I invest in money, in relationships, in health, all because it's not like I'm just living my purpose when I'm working. It's an integrative all-around experience. So how I align with those makes a difference because alignment really matters. So for example, I stopped working out and I looked at, I didn't have, I wasn't growing in new ways and I didn't have connection. Mm. Those two values weren't there. So then I started going to group fitness and changed up my workout routine. Uh And then I was more motivated to be consistent with working out. Mm. So it's like, we don't have to judge ourselves. We have to just look at what is an alignment for me? What are my values? How can I express those values? Right. And realizing who you are moves. Yeah, Like a lot of people have a lot of questions about purpose. It's like your purpose moves because Mm -hmm. you do like, Mm -hmm. I don't know what the science is, but I'm pretty sure there's something about every seven years you have new skin cells entirely. Like your whole physical being is different. And when I think about the way our bodies work and the the miracle that it is, it's like, I think about my taste buds. Like I hated olives when I was a kid. Now they're one of my favorite little snacks. And so it's like, we are always changing. And so it's so weird to me that we live in this world where we look at this concept of purpose and we put this pressure on that it's this like destination when it's really this dance. And I think a lot of people put pressure on themselves to love what they do. And granted, we spend 90,000 hours of our life at work. That's two thirds of our time awake on the planet. I understand people wanting it to matter. That makes full sense to me. But wanting to love what you do all the time, I feel like that's a lot of pressure. You know, like I love my family, but they kind of get weird sometimes. (laughs) And it's like really unpleasant. Yeah. And you know, I love what I do, but I don't love every minute of it. Yeah, you got to deal with the tech glitches and like the the email funnel broke. Yeah. That is part of what you do. That's the cost of admission, right? And so I feel like the expectations management, kind of going back to your original question and also going into core values of like, what do I have to say for people who are like, I don't feel like I can follow my heart and do what I, and survive. I think the question is you can't just get there. Mm -hmm. You have to sign up for the journey. Some people's journeys are not going to be that long. They're going to figure it out. Some people's journeys are going to be a decade or two. And you need to be down for the ride if you really want what it feels like in your body to do something that you truly lose sense of time. You feel really connected. You feel really alive. You feel really seen. You feel really gifted. And there's that joy and that magic in it. I felt like that when I was writing my book. I feel like that when I'm writing all these TED Talks for these clients. One thing I didn't calculate with what I'm doing now at Wise Whisper is that there's so many people coming in and I didn't realize, well, okay, it's it's TEDx. So a lot of people who are coming to me to write their TED Talk and get them booked on stage, they, they've made a big impact already. Yeah. And so this business is exposing me to some really big thinkers. Mm-hmm. And as someone who wrote a career book and had a career podcast and did a lot of career coaching, 
it's exposing me to big thinkers who have a lot of success. And so it's been really interesting to be around all these people and to take a look at like their energy levels and why are they so energized and what is lighting them up. And I am finding that pretty much all of them have paid a cost of admission. Most of them, like when I'm writing their TED Talks, I'm hearing that they have a story. I'm hearing that they've been through the muck and they've come out the other side. And it's not that we just come out the other side and it's like all roses, but largely the big chunk of doing the work and figuring out where your gifts are Mm -hmm. is done. Mm -hmm. And I found that there's really three lily pads in your career. The first thing is where I think most people are, which is like, I'm fine. This pays the bills. I don't really love it, but it's here. The second thing is I know what my gift is and now I need to figure out where to go put it. Yeah. And that is my goal in my work is how do I get people at least to swim from lily pad one to lily pad two? How do you get in your gift? Because when you're in your gift, the world becomes a place of opportunities. Your job, if you know what your gift is, your skill set is, is to say yes or no. You become a walking filter. Mm -hmm. Because when you operate in your zone of genius and you've seen people who are really gifted, Mm -hmm. people notice you. And when people notice you, they offer you opportunities. They try to poach you at Burke Williams when you're checking out at the spa like me and you, Mm -hmm. right? Like I wanted to hire their manager that Mm -hmm. day. Mm -hmm. And so it's like people notice gifted people. Mm And then their job is saying yes or no, because opportunities, as much as they're abundant, they could be a form of distraction. Yeah. And so it's about how to choose on that lily pad, knowing your gift, what's a yes and what's a no, and how to let go of something when you realize it's not a yes after all, because that's all part of the experiment, to land not in a destination, but in a real spot in your journey that is a sweet spot for you, that really builds you, that really grows you, that really contributes to who you are and how you give. Yeah. Because it's like, even for me, when I'm coaching, I don't care if it's one person or 1,000, I feel fulfilled in doing it. And so I think that's a good uh, indicator that we're on track with something and we can still optimize and think about ways to, to get it out there, but the work out there and expand. But I think that we can always make a good living doing what we love as long as we have a creative way to offer value to others, yeah. sharing our gifts. And it takes time to figure out what that is. Yeah, it can. And that's the thing it can, right? Some days it comes in. Try things out. Exactly. And mm-hmm. I think that final lily pad, I think that's Dharma. And I feel like that not everybody gets a ticket to it because maybe they're stuck in yes or no's with their mm-hmm. opportunity on their gift, but they're still growing their career and using their skills and sharpening and contributing. And that's the thing I've learned that my career for me is not a place where I go find my purpose. It's my place where I go contribute. That's right. See, I think that's an important aspect because a lot of people are thinking, what can I get? Yeah. But when you really are connected to the gift and the fulfillment of what you're doing, you just want to give. Exactly. And anytime I found myself looking for life to fill me in some way, it's been an opp- I've suffered yep. and it's been an opportunity to look at my come from, where I'm coming from, so that I can question those misunderstandings, limiting beliefs, and really feel the abundance of the gift itself. And then I want to give it. Yeah. And I say this without putting you on a pedestal, um, because we've already seen me put you on pedestals, processing (laughs) you as my therapist five years, seven years ago, and now seeing you so much in a different lens, because I've gotten to know you so intimately, so, so much. I feel like you are on that third lily pad a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people will ask me because I think it's our human experience to want to get to the maximum or grow to the maximum. You have that. That's one of your strengths as much as if it's probably one of your wounds is like wanting to grow and Uh do more. You love it. As much as it like can taunt you. Yeah. Yeah. And burn you out. Yeah. So a lot of people who are achievers Mm want to know, how do we get to the third? How do we 
do Dharma? How do we be like Kobe Bryant was like so alive in his work? You know, how do we be like, you know, David Goggins who like ran a marathon with pneumonia and felt totally inspired and fine or Wim Hof climbing a mountain naked or whatever he does. (laughs) Right. Yeah. How do we get there? And my answer is let it go. Yeah. Like it's just about being in the experiment and being in the contribution and seeing where your best and highest use is. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of my book is very structural thoughts around this and more tactical to help people figure out what is the job title? What is the career pivot? What are some real tactical, practical questions to get you into your next level? All very important. But I don't know, like I say say in my TED talk, when you follow what feels right, what is really right for you is usually on the periphery. Like I wanted to, there's something that felt right about working in national security. And I didn't know what it was fully. Mm -hmm. I just knew I was interested in people and politics and I was good at learning languages. Mm I followed that into the Pentagon and what I learned on the periphery of that was I'm an excellent job seeker. Mm -hmm. That got me many jobs Mm -hmm. and got me out of the Pentagon when I didn't want to stay there. And that, and that got me into your office was talking about job hunting and on the periphery of going to therapy and on the periphery of going to the Pentagon, I learned I'm a great job seeker. I learned I could create a career out of that. My first iteration of my entrepreneurial journey was job hunt coaching because that was all I knew. Yeah. And you encouraged that. And then I moved on to become, you know, as much of a pioneer for myself as I could in online business, Mm -hmm. in how do I create things that are scalable, that are high impact and getting 7,000 customers in two months after a lot of failure, Mm -hmm. right? And then I became e-course girl Mm -hmm. and podcast girl Mm -hmm. and no longer private coach girl. And then on the periphery of that, I lost a lot of money and I felt like a failure. And then I talked about being a failure and got a speaking agent and went on tour and made a bunch of money paying off my debt as a speaker, talking about all my failure. All the things I'm hearing is like saying yes to the full range Mm -hmm. of what the journey is going to be. Yeah. Also testing things out, taking the next most intelligent step to follow what's alive for you. Because sometimes I think we can overthink it and try to make our career something that it's going to feed us in some way because we think we're lacking. It's like, be the diligent person, if you want to be, that reads the Amazon reviews, that reads the Yelp reviews, but also know you're making a choice to give a part of your process and who you are in your life, hours and hours collected over time, days and days of waffling over time. And sometimes you're just being decisive, but some people are investing so much in the yes or the no. Mm -hmm. And I'm very discerning about where I'm putting that much waffling energy of myself because I think it has a cost and it's momentum. Mm -hmm. And I think momentum is something that scientifically I can't fully explain because I'm no scientist, but what I can understand as, as a human who's experienced it is that momentum begets momentum and you don't want to mess with your momentum. So if you're in a decision, keep it light if you can. Yeah. Like throw the ones away that don't need to be heavy. And like getting a therapist, some people think that's a really big decision. It is, but I was, I was fully prepared for you to not be a fit with me. Yeah. And you're re- fully prepared for your clients not to be a fit for you. And it's like, it's so much quicker for me to do that 20 minute intake, yeah. contact you right away. You were the first one on Yelp. You take action. You Move just, along. Less drama, more action. Yeah. It's beautiful. And yeah. just the experimentation. Yeah. And I do think that people don't know what their their strengths are because I think that they think it's easy for them. So they overlook it. They don't realize it's not easy exactly. for everybody. Are there any practical tools that people can use or to find some of their strengths? I think p- most people know their weaknesses, Yeah, but even that feedback is good to know what may not be 
something that they want. I'm never going to pursue economics. Like that's yeah. not my thing. Oh my thing. God. You and me both. Yeah. It's like terrifying <laughs> to think about. Yeah. I think that there's a lot of research around asking for feedback. I read this book, The Science of Happily Ever After. Okay. And I think you'd find it interesting because it's not the way our brains are wired. It's a lot of research. Mm. And you and I like research, but we usually go with how things feel yeah. and the mind and a different realm. Mm -hmm. This is very like Harvard studies. And it's really interesting because there's a study that shows that your friends know if you're destined for divorce better than you do, according to a lot of numbers, interesting. because they have no skin in the game. Mm -hmm. It's neutral viewership, mm -hmm. right? They're just watching you in your relationship and all they care about is you're happy. Yeah. And they can't, you know, they're looking at you saying, make this make sense mm -hmm. if it doesn't, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's the same with your career. I think in your career, people are powerhouses for feedback when you feel like you're being you around those people. And so I think colleagues that have worked closely with you, asking them, where have you seen me at my best? Yeah. Is like power feedback. Yeah. And asking yourself in their feedback, what skill set are you using beneath that? It's not about the project they're telling you about. It's about what skill you're using Good. in that project. Good. And collecting that in the same way you, you recommend a joy journal, which mm -hmm. is what lights you up every day and looking for the patterns. I think there's value in patterns, yeah. you know. I think a lot of people in their job, they might be doing something or as an entrepreneur in the services they're offering that isn't fully lining up. Yeah. And they don't necessarily tune in to this idea. Let's say it's a corporate job. Let's mm -hmm. start there. Mm -hmm. That you can job craft. You can figure out like, what do I want to do more of? Yeah. And how do I make that a little side project that becomes something? Mm -hmm. And you could do that as an entrepreneur too, right? So if you're, if you're in a corporate environment saying, okay, I really want to hone my writing skill set because my next job, I want it to be more communications focused asking yourself, what would be of high value that you can request to your manager that you work on, you know? See, so very creative. Right. Saying, Hey, I have an extra five hours a week. I would love to devote it to this because here's how I see it moving the needle. Yes. And PS it's, it's using the skills you want to use. So I want to highlight what you just did. Cause yeah. I want to make sure people get that. So getting clarity of what you want, being able to utilize your career that you're already working and maybe corporate to express those, but then pitching in a way that says here to whoever boss, this, this is, is valuable how it, for you. This is how it's going to serve you. Right. That's brilliant. And then looking at your resume, right? Like your resume is a marketing document. Mm -hmm. The biggest mistake people make on it is, you know, oversharing and regurgitating everything versus saying, this is a marketing document. It's, it's a one-stop shop that, and, and even if you have multiple pages and you're a seasoned executive, the heat mapping shows recruiters are just looking at the, you know, mm -hmm. the first page. Mm -hmm. So you really have a quick amount of time to show impact in the direction you want to be going. Yeah. And so this job crafting you're doing in your job becomes a topic of what real estate you want to give it in your resume, right? If this is the direction you want to go, this little five hour a week project is going to deserve maybe two out of the four or five bullet points. Yes that you're giving your resume because it's pointing you in the place yeah. you want to go. I think this is the case with entrepreneurs. It just looks a little bit different. Like I started the U-Turn podcast. I thought it was too late. It wasn't. It's still not too late for podcasters. There's 11 million shows, but only 470,000 have released an episode in the last 90 days. Mm. So, I mean, there's billions of YouTube channels. Think mm -hmm. about YouTube being tapped out. Yeah. The podcast lands are not tapped out yeah. whatsoever. Yeah. 
And I remember in the years, in the past six years that I was in transition, I had sponsors to the tune of maybe 10K a month that were supporting me financially while I changed my career, while I was burnt out and needed to step back. Mm-hmm. And, they, and it carried me. And it kind of goes back to this idea of when you follow what feels right, the, the purpose is on the periphery. Yeah. And then the show became bigger and bigger, bigger. Now we've got around 100,000 downloads a month. And I'm so grateful that this thing carried me in some way because I job crafted it into my career as an entrepreneur. You got creative and you didn't just fit it into what it needed to be. Yeah. And that's something similar that I did with my undergrad. So my major, I did interdisciplinary studies because I knew that healing wasn't just about the mind. Yeah. It was about spirituality and sociology, like the community as well. Yeah. So I made up my own major. And I think that when we get clear on the inside, I think when we look at all the job options and things like that, it's going to be overwhelming. Yeah. And so as we get clear inside and we just take that next most intelligent step, be willing to get creative to make it work. Yeah. Even if you're in corporate or whatever it is, have a side hustle, get experimentation. Eventually you can, it clicks. It's funny because one thing I'm fascinated by with entrepreneurs and our friends is the tipping point. Yeah. It's such a real thing. Yeah. Like obviously Gladwell writes about it, but I feel like there is moments, if I look back and I could ask you, mm-hmm. what are the top three moments in your career that something moved? Something moved irreversibly yep. and it compounded for you. Yep. It's funny about these moments because sometimes we're kind of like bobbing along like a little, a little buoy, mm-hmm. just feeling like a little lost in the ocean, mm-hmm. lost in the sauce. And then a tipping point will come and it, it, it almost feels like it came out of nowhere. And obviously it didn't. You've been working yeah. towards it. There's a book called Mastery that says it's like steps where we spike, then we plateau. And right. usually people start having self-doubt. But that's the moment we're about to spike again. And so to stay focused with follow through, I think is what a lot of entrepreneurs don't have. They get antsy, they start doubting themselves. But if we do the inner work, then you just honest, just keep mastering your craft, stay with it. There's that next tipping point. I've sold and created many things Mm -hmm. and I've created them around me. So in my coaching business, my my financial success was limited in the sense where I could have raised my prices. I was never coaching entrepreneurs so much as I was coaching people in the workforce. So their investment or like their perception was limited by their salary, right? Like I have these bills every year and this is how much I have and I need to ask my husband and all those things, right? And I kind of played into that. I was like, this is what I'm doing. And Part of it was I, my core energy levels, going back to that, right? Like I'm not you with your energy for work. And so I was like, all right, I've got like two sessions a day in me, Monday through Thursday. And then my creativity is kind of tapped and I can't work before 11 a.m. because I'm not that smart before 11 a.m. Like I'm not a morning girl. I'm not mean in the morning, but I'm not that interesting in the morning. And so it's interesting because with the TED offer, I've never created something that has been such an easy sell. Like... I do not need to do a sales funnel for, mm-hmm. if, if somebody's listening and you want a TED talk and you want to be on stage and you have 25K to invest in it or whatever the prices that we're offering, it's it's a pretty easy yeah. one-stop shop. We have a track record. It's easy. Yeah. But it's interesting. I've been having such an easy time and I've created so much over the years and I've worked so hard over the years that it's been weird for me and it's been such an up level and a fear for me. Yeah. And I have all these stories running lately where I'm like, maybe I just launched it and everybody who knows me found out about it. So it was kind of like the dating apps, like, you know, like I'm, I have a partner now, but it's kind of like, it feels like you like start to see the same faces after a while. Like you kind of tapped into the blue ocean and now it feels like 
a, I don't know, like a pool that people peed in. I don't know. It's like, <laughs> like the dating pool doesn't feel so good. It's the same with business. I'm like, maybe everybody just found out and hired me and, yeah. and it's going to slow down. And so this is part of the inner work that was required in entrepreneurship right. to stabilize. So we, we don't create these upper limits and right. then pull ourselves down unconsciously. Right. So thank you for being willing to share some of the vulnerability around that. Yeah. And I'm curious because, you know, this is one of your gifts is really being able to pull somebody's unique story out and be able to craft a really powerful story. This is definitely not one of my gifts. I tell the punchline and I don't remember I forgot <laughs> I to tell everything else to lead up to it. You're an so, easy laugh, but I, like you don't identify as a comedian. I am not a comedian. But you're deep and powerful. Okay, I'm, I'm deep and compassionate. Yeah, and I am terrible at telling stories. Yeah. And I imagine- At that, least you laugh at people's stories. I That's laugh. really I'm brutal. I'm the quickest to yeah. laugh at a story. Yeah. But I imagine that there's like some type of elements or an arc that you can share with people around crafting powerful yeah. stories. What, what would that yeah. be for those of us who need support? Yeah. Okay. So first I'll speak at it through the lens of Ted because it's all the same. Yeah. So, and, and it's interesting with Ted. So, or TEDx, who I write for, you know, the TED Talks are up to 19, 20 minutes, 19 mm -hmm. really. Mm -hmm. I always tell entrepreneurs, why would you want to write a 19 minute thing when you could write a 12 minute thing. Cause 19 minutes is a lot more memorization for you. Right. And most of the people who come find me are pretty busy and they don't need, you know, they're not looking for a victory lap around their workload. Yeah. And so I'll say, let's do a 12 minute Ted talk. And to me, that's three pages, three and a half pages typed times new Roman. Okay. You know how I think in structure, I I that's do. our biggest I difference. It. I know. I do not You're think such way. a creative in your own, right? Yeah. This is where mine, I guess is. Yeah. And so I think, okay, three and a half pages typed. In that amount of space, you really can't share more than two to three points. So this helps people with keynotes. Good. If it's a 19 minute talk, I'm like, you got not much more room than four to five points. Mm -hmm. Five is a lot for a 19 minute talk. Mm -hmm. If you have a 45 minute keynote, I think you have space for five, five points. Okay. So that's just structure. Yeah. And if you think about 12 minutes is three and a half pages type times New Roman. It's times New Roman 12. Mm -hmm. It's not double spaced, mm -hmm. but it's spaced like a speech, right? So there's some slippery slope in my okay. spacing, right? Okay. Yeah. So people can picture a keynote based on that 12 minute thinking. Mm -hmm. The opener is usually the first page of a TEDx for me. And no more than that, if it's 12 minutes. And I'm thinking to myself, this is where I'm getting people's attention. John Levy, mm -hmm. he did some research on what is the most memorable human emotion. Mm. Have you heard him talk no. about this? He talks, you would, okay, so I would love to ask you, because I feel like I already know your answer, but I'm dying here. Okay. Like, what do you think is the most memorable human emotion? Memorable shock? That's close. You're so smart, Alyssa. <laughs> it's actually awe. Uh. Yeah, that was my next. Yeah, mm -hmm. I thought you were going to say love because you're all love. <laughs> I was like, love, it's yeah. so memorable, but yeah. it's not really because I've loved that... some guys and I don't remember them anymore. You know what I mean? The surprise. The yeah, ah, surprise. shock. It, like, mm -hmm. Think about when people get broken up with, they're processing the loss of the person just as much as they're sometimes processing the blindsiding feeling. Or the death of the story and the dream. Mm -hmm. That too, but mm -hmm. there's something just about being blindsided alone, the yes. shock. Yes. It's yes. just shock. Yep. Ah. Mm -hmm. is the most memorable wow. emotion. Mm -hmm. So if you want to be memorable, create a sense of awe. That's why your work Beautiful. is doing so well, I think, because coaching is a space of awe. Mm -hmm. You are helping people, Wake up. their whole belief system die That's right. and reemerge into a much newer, more expanded version. That creates a lot of awe yeah. when people see something that's not working and they didn't even see it before. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. you're constantly, you're Waking like an awe dealer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're just dealing. <laughs> and so when I think about an opener for TEDx, 
well, first of all, my, I don't know if anybody's watched Ice Age, the movie, but it's like the sloth. Have you seen it? I don't remember. He says it with like a little lisp. He's so cute. He's like, we're the, we're the weirdest wolf pack I've ever seen. <laughs> and that's how I feel with my speech writing team. Yeah. Like, you know, the one girl on my team, she was in 10th grade AP English with me. Mm. She used to stand up and share her poems and I would cry. Aww. So you see my little mystical hiring yes. thing? See? I hired this 10th grade English, yes. whatever. Yeah. I always knew. I was like, this girl's such a writer. And I always remembered her name. Mm -hmm. And then this other girl I hired from when I worked for Obama. So it's like, just kind of like this unique little wolf pack yeah. of the three of us. Yeah. So we really look at, hey, what stories are relevant about somebody's mm -hmm. life? But what has creating a sense of awe in our bodies the most? And I imagine there's an element of surprise yeah. with the awe because you think you're going down one track and then <gasps> it opens to a whole nother. Or it's just totally wild, right? Like If it's a really wild yeah, story Yeah, like my wild story, my TED Talk, How to Figure Out What You Really Want, that one opened. I've done two TED Talks. The first one... It's not that I'm not proud of it, but I'm not proud of it. It's like, it's just the first talk I've ever given in my yeah. life. And yeah. I had 4,000 people I was in the coaching audience. you at that time. You were yeah. like, I'm doing a TED Talk. I'm right. Like, Damn. I know. <laughs> Who was I? Yeah, you were just on fire. Yeah, I guess. Like, But that talk, I just feel like it didn't show what I could do because I hadn't stepped into who I am yeah. yet. Yeah. But it was a good talk. This one, how to figure out what you really want, it opened up with my dad getting a phone call in the kitchen and somebody who pretended to kidnap me. Mm -hmm. That's going to draw people's attention right away. Mm -hmm. So I would invite anyone to do a scan of their whole life and say, what's the most wild thing that drew people's attention? You, you noticed everybody was paying attention to your story. Mm -hmm. Maybe even do like a timeline yeah. and just kind of notice That's an exercise I give my clients. Okay, You're great. so smart. <laughs> Always. Yeah. Yeah, I give people a life timeline that's okay. in our intake form. Great. Significant moments in your life. Yeah. And then here's the miss. A lot of people, if they're doing the talk on their own, they're going to be really about the story and not in the story. Here's what I mean. We had a client who her whole family passed away when she was young. She was thinking, well, that's crazy. I need to share about that. Yeah, I feel like you know this person. Okay. But it was like, no, it's not about telling an audience that everybody you knew died for lack of a better, more soft term. It's about the moment the last person died and you realize you're on your own. So what you just did there for me is it went from a general concept to a moment, to a moment in, time in time that I could be there with you in my mind's yeah. eye. And people want to be in that movie where you're describing it, it, you're experiencing it with them. Exactly. Beautiful. So I'm picking a movie. Yeah. There was a client the other day where we had a really funny opener about a story where he was in a different culture than his own. And he was kind of an unusual opener for us. He's based in Japan. He was in Europe. He was supposed to go to a spa. He was told that the spas are unisex. I don't know if that's right. Co-ed co yeah. is the word. Okay. And that's not normal for the United States, right? Mm -hmm. Like we, it's all women, all men. You don't get naked in front of each other. But he kind of went through this hype talk with himself of like, I'm going to go out into this spa and <laughs> I'm going to adopt this culture. It's co-ed and I'm going to ditch the towel and be naked with everyone. And he like really got yeah. himself. And then he went out there and everybody was in a towel. <laughs> <laughs> so that was our opener for cool. him. Mm -hmm. So it was an to unusually light opener. Yeah, yeah, it was a light opener, yeah. right? Like it was a light opener being like, you know, he wasn't feeling well. He wanted to go to a sauna. He thought it was- Challenged himself to challenged get courageous. <laughs> Other people, it's like some serious shit yeah. happening in yeah. their life and I'm opening up with something like that. So I feel like A, get clear on your opener. B, it doesn't have to have anything to do with the rest of your talk. Okay. You as the speech writer draw the bridge, right? So if you see my TED talk, I talk about how I had compassion for these people who ended up trying to scam my dad 
because it was like, why would somebody try to make a living this way? And having this compassion of like, wow, we're all so alike. We're all so desperate to like get by. And sometimes we make bad decisions that don't really feel like who we are. So you're saying like, there's always a way to bridge it. Just make it awe-inspiring. Awe it and then bridge it. And then bridge it. And Uh probably a universal deeper truth that everybody can relate to and then have your three points that you cover. Yeah. Yeah. And most of the clients that come to us, they're just not natural born writers. So they're like, we don't want our... It would take me forever to do something like that. It's a long... Yeah. For us, it's funny too. I'm watching the speechwriters. We all three write all the talks together. Right now we have like 22 talks on deck mm-hmm. and that's just been in the past three months, which is wild because in 2022, we had 40 talks. So we're just growing and, and, and that's such an edge for me as I was telling you, but mm-hmm. you know, some of us will pace for days with somebody's talk. Others, it's like, we sit for an hour and meditate and we write the whole talk and in two hours. So it's so funny because you've really helped me with my stories about money. Sometimes I feel like I'm taking from clients who are paying us, you know, 25 grand for writing a TED talk because I've never been in high-end offers. And and I feel like a lot of your audience is in business. They're probably Mm -hmm. thinking about offers and things like that as well. So I speak from that lens and hope it serves people. Yeah. Yeah. I know money has been a big part of your healing journey. Yeah. And I think it's important that we do that. So we yeah. don't just unconsciously take what we've been inherited around yeah. our parents' beliefs. Yeah. Like reset the thermostat. Yeah. And it's interesting because for me, it's been a lot of work to be like, wow. And also booking, like we have a booker in house and I pay her top dollar because she has a near hundred percent success rate. If you get a speech written by us, we get you booked on TEDx. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I, it's interesting because there's some clients that she books right away Mm -hmm. and there's others that it takes a while. Mm -hmm. So there was one client where it took us like three hours to write his whole Ted talk because it was just so inspiring for us. We just flew out of all our fingers on a Google doc. And then the booker ended up booking them the next week. And I was like the, and then other ones that it's like a whole year process, right? Like we're agonizing over the talk. Like we can't get it. We're taking our time with it. We're, you know, and a lot of busy people, they can't even get a meeting on the calendar with us because we'll do three or four Zooms in total max. And it will take like a month to get on their calendar for a 90 minute brainstorm to go through that first draft, mm-hmm. right? And creatively, it serves us to drag our feet on it because we're creatives. And you see me creating my business as a creative business. Yeah. So I honor that. And I tell clients, I'm yeah. like, we're creative. Sometimes we need to step back. We don't, we don't work in rush. So if you're in a rush, we're the wrong, mm-hmm. we're the wrong people. Again, non-negotiables. This yeah. is how we work. Yeah. This is how we do things. So for people, again, just like pulling the themes of like trying things out, being willing to go all in, being clear of what's your non-negotiables. And with the writing specifically, having an opener that leaves people awe. captivated in awe. Three solid points that you want them to if take away. If it's a away. 10, 12, 15 I minute TED talk. Yeah. yeah. And I, and I love, I love having that for people then to accordion and maybe add a little extra story and go yeah. deeper into one. Well, a lot of people take our TED talks and make a keynote out of it. I so bet. they're like, great, let's add three more points to this. And this whole structure is already there and they expand on the points we already wrote. So it's, it's interesting that you say that mm-hmm. it does, yeah. the, the structure does it's make sense. A, and the structure, especially for creatives that don't necessarily, that doesn't come intuitively for them. That's really helpful yeah. for people like me to be able to add more into it or go deeper into it. Yeah. There's so much, yeah. Ashley. I love you. I love you so much. And we could do this forever and we will because yeah. we're friends that way. But for those that want to stay connected, will you share with people how they yeah. can get in touch? Okay. If you're, I feel like you're so served with self-development on this show because Alyssa's the best that I know at it, truly. I have a show, U-Turn Podcast. It's just me being a weirdo with a lot of self-development people. I think it's great. Yeah. My book, U-Turn, Get Unstuck, Discover Your Direction, Design Your Dream Career. 
is the subtitle. It's everywhere books are sold. It's weirdly a bestseller in Asia and a decent seller in the US, which yeah. is so funny to see how things just take where they're meant to be. Yeah, totally. I love that. And if you want to do a TEDx, ashleystall.com slash TEDx. It's A-S-H-L-E-Y. S-T-A-H-L. All the info is there. And I would love to give you $1,000 off if you reach out within a month of this episode and let me know you found me through Alyssa. I love to know who finds me through you. In that way, I can uh, be aware of it and give that to you. Thank you. Love you. Love you. Thank you so much for doing this work that changes the world, starting with yourself. It truly does make a difference. And if you're finding value in this podcast, a cost-free way to support us is by leaving an up to five-star review. It does mean the world to us. And as a thank you gift, we're going to send you one of the most powerful tools that you will ever discover. You're going to get behind-the-scenes access, showing you how to live into your full potential without letting fear hold you back from stepping into your dreams. Just head over to Apple Podcast or Spotify and leave a review now. You can take a screenshot before hitting submit and then go to alissanobriga.com forward slash podcast to upload it. And make sure to have your automatic downloads turned on wherever you listen so you don't miss any of the upcoming episodes. I have so much magic I can't wait to share with you. And you can find all this information in the show notes below. But lastly, if you're on Instagram, I love connecting and hearing from you. So come on over and say hello. I'm at alissanobriga. Thank you again for being here. I cannot wait to share more with you.